Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Sam, the killing of Iran's top nuclear scientists could fuel more tensions between Tehran and Washington. We're watching it unfold on the streets of Iran's capital. As long as I'm president of the United States, Iran will never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon. I'm Carlos Prieto, and this is Politico Dispatch. Last week, I sat down to talk with foreign affairs reporter Nahal Tusi about President Donald Trump's legacy on foreign policy, especially on North Korea, Russia, and China. Today, part two of our conversation. You're going to see many other things happening in the Middle East over a fairly short period of time. President Trump ordering a drawdown of troops in Iraq and Afghanistan by January the 15th, just five days before he's set to leave office. The Middle East, Afghanistan, and what work Biden has ahead if he wants to repair America's historic alliances. Nahal Tusi is Politico's foreign affairs reporter. One of President Obama's biggest legacies on foreign policy was supposed to be the Iran nuclear deal and a path to thaw relations with the regime. A constructive deal could easily have been struck at the time, but it wasn't. Did this path survive after his presidency? Trump not only left the Iran nuclear deal in 2018, he also reimposed all of the sanctions that had been lifted under that deal. At the heart of the Iran deal was a giant fiction. In addition, he imposed new sanctions, additional ones, that they're still adding to, even during this transition period. The goal, even though they won't flat out admit it, has been to get the regime to fall in Iran. But the regime, despite having its economy very much damaged by the sanctions as well as the coronavirus pandemic, uh, it does not look like it's on the verge of failure. And so when Joe Biden comes in, he's going to inherit a mess there because you have uh, a regime that remains active militarily, uh, has restarted elements of its nuclear program and, you know, is under a lot of sanctions that it wants to get out from in exchange to return uh, to the nuclear deal. But it's going to be very difficult to untangle a lot of that stuff. And politically, it will be very sensitive. On the broader question of just the Middle East, there's definitely an exhaustion with the Middle East uh, in the foreign policy establishment in Washington. And there's definitely a desire uh, in Biden world to focus less on the Middle East and focus a heck of a lot more on China and Asia, which they're going to be the defining issues of this century. And it just doesn't seem to be a very um, productive place for U.S. troops to be in the long run. So, Nahal, I want to shift here and talk about Afghanistan. Uh, President Trump was always clear that he wanted to leave the area safely and bring home our troops. We are working to finally end America's longest war and bring our troops back home. And recently, during the lame duck, we've actually seen a lot of activity here uh, on this front. Three times, Judy, in the last 24 hours, the White House indicated it wanted to accelerate the withdrawal from Afghanistan. So I'm curious, what does Biden inherit in terms of the conflict in the region? It's definitely an, an issue that Biden feels very strongly about. He wants to get U.S. troops out as much as possible. And so in a sense, Trump is doing him a favor 
But Biden has said that he doesn't want to remove all of our troops. He wants to leave special forces and other troops that are affiliated with special forces there so that they can fight groups like Al-Qaeda or the Islamic State terrorist organizations, not so much necessarily the Taliban. Uh, and so it's about stability and, and making sure that Afghanistan does not become a haven again for Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups that want to attack the United States. So in summary, you don't think that Biden will complete a withdrawal of, of our troops? It's possible that 2,500, which is what the, the number of troops that Trump may leave behind, uh, is as low as it gets, even under Biden. Biden may not want to go any lower than that because he is so concerned about groups like Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State. So finally, I think one front that we should talk about here is the future of our historic alliances. President Trump lectured NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg, accusing other NATO members of not paying their fair share of defense spending. Since taking office, Trump picked up fight after fight with allies like Canada and Germany. Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they will be getting from 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And he also took a very confrontational approach with multinational groups like NATO and the World Health Organization. President Donald Trump has formally withdrawn the United States from the World Health Organization. He announced his intention more than a month ago after criticizing the organization's response to the coronavirus pandemic. And I think that's one area where a lot of people are genuinely hoping that things will be different, if not just completely go back to the Obama days. So what can we expect from the incoming administration and how Biden approaches our role in the world? I mean, Biden is a pro-alliance guy. He and his people are going to definitely join a lot of these organizations again or try to become more active again. But they're also realistic that some of these alliances are weak in their own sort of way. Uh, and some of these forums, like the United Nations Security Council, they're just not functioning anymore. Because when you have disagreements with China and Russia, then nothing gets done. So I think they're going to be looking for ways to possibly create new alliances, new coalitions. One thing that Biden is planning on doing is hosting a summit for democracy the first year in office. And the idea is to gather the world's democracies and to find ways to uh, you know, work together to counter uh, challenges like China. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if not only they try to return to the old alliances and, and, you know, strengthen them, but also try to create new ones. And finally, um, what what's the most important thing in foreign policy that you think Biden should prioritize when he when he begins his administration? One of the first things that Trump did when he took office was impose a travel ban on a number of Muslim majority countries. Uh, and he also sh essentially has largely shut down the U.S. refugee program. And he's also severely limited immigration, including legal immigration uh, to this country. And that has really affected America's reputation on a lot of levels. And I think that making America once again be, you know, known as the land that is welcoming is something that uh, a lot of people feel that Biden should prioritize and which would go a really long way toward uh, improving America's standing in the world and once again strengthening it on the soft power level. Nahal, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Nahal Tusi is Politico's foreign affairs reporter. If you want to go back and listen to the first episode of this series, which covered Russia, China, and North Korea, you can find the link in the episode description. Also, 
As coronavirus cases rise around the country, a bipartisan group of senators wants to restart stimulus relief talks for millions of struggling Americans. If Democrats and Republicans were to agree on a deal, which Virginia Senator Mark Warner says would probably end up under the $2 trillion price tag, it could be attached to the spending bill due December 11th that would avert a government shutdown. But with both parties still far from giving in and Republicans poised to keep the Senate barring Georgia's two runoff races in January, a deal is extremely unlikely to come anytime soon. And the day after the Thanksgiving weekend, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced a five-point pandemic winter plan aimed at preparing healthcare facilities for a surge in cases. The new plan, which Cuomo hopes will keep the state out of a tragic season similar to the one back in March and April, aims to improve testing while keeping some schools open and to distribute vaccines once they become available. Under the new plan, parts of New York will stop doing elective surgeries by the end of the week and many hospitals in the state will have to identify retired nurses and doctors who could be tapped to work at emergency facilities. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you listen, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you like Dispatch, make sure to check out some of our other programs, including Politico Energy, which is the show I produce every day on energy and environmental policy. Jeremy Siegel will be back with you tomorrow. I'm Carlos Prieto. Thanks for listening.